and read scripture? And if not, I'll be reading from Luke 6, 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, hears my words, and puts them to practice. It's like a person building a house by digging deep and laying the foundation on bedrock. When the flood came and the rising water smashed the house, but the water couldn't shake the house because it was well built. But those who put into practice what they hear are like a... But those who don't put into practice what they hear is like a person who built a house without a foundation. The flood water smashed against it and collapsed it. Instantly, it was completely destroyed. Kids can be dismissed to children's church. Hey, I just wanted to take just a quick moment, um, you know, since I have the microphone and you have to listen. Um, I just want to say just an honest thank you to anybody that volunteers on a regular basis or on an irregular basis here for Galesburg. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of, I wanted to take a moment and make you guys like awkwardly stand up if you like do any kind of volunteering. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I just, I'm just personally, I just want to say thank you. Um, I mean, whether it be band or media or children's ministry stuff or uh, adult ministry stuff, I mean, there's just so many facets of things going on. I mean, we have the Orange Swan, who just yesterday, uh, Rhonda was telling me, well, how many people did we serve? Yes, 60, sorry, 69 families were able to be served yesterday. Um, you know, she has prom dresses, and I was just talking to her about how that's just such an incredible ministry, because I mean, that can be a huge burden on families that... Um, that maybe aren't able to do that kind of stuff. And so I just, honestly, I just wanted you guys to know this wouldn't be possible. Like what we do on a weekly basis wouldn't be possible without the volunteers. And that has nothing to do with my sermon. That was just something for you guys all to have. So today we are going to talk about foundations. And you're like, what? That sounds terrible. We're gonna, I'm going to teach you how to build a house. I'm kidding. Also, I have no idea how to build a house. I've never in my life poured a foundation Never have I uh, dug a hole for a foundation, um, but I have looked it up on the internet, and that is close enough. Um, I feel like if anybody needs some help, uh, I can point you to an incredible website. I will not be helping you. Um, But foundation is super important. It's a a very important part of, of building a house or building an office building. The better the foundation, the better the home or office will be when the storms come. When the storms come. I, I love that thought process because the question isn't if the storms come, right? It's when. When the storms come. When the strong wind comes. When uh, the tornado comes. When the, the floods come. You know, when those things happen, how will the home or the office stand up against that? And, you know, there are some places in the world that kind of get hit harder than others. And there's some places that think they're impenetrable to those things and they still get hit by it. Um, you guys all remember, I mean, I can't remember how many years ago it was now. Was it 10, 10 11 years ago, Joplin with the, with the tornado? We were living there in the town at the time that it comes through. And I mean, we never, I mean, living in the Midwest, we all know about tornadoes and we all know about that stuff happening. But man, you just never think that that kind of stuff 
is going to happen. That amount of devastation, that amount of long-term devastation, where you can still drive through town and see, like, see that, that mark where it changes from not affected to affected. And it, it's the kind of stuff that just changes everything. Storms and disasters are just simply a part of life. The various parts of the world um, are, like I said, more prone to these catastrophes, and they take steps to actually prevent the, the catastrophic-style events that can happen. Uh, I got wrapped up into studying um, the foundations in one specific area that came to um, light a whole bunch of times was Japan. If, uh, if you know a little bit about Japan, they're, they're actually more earthquake-prone than California is. They have more earthquakes in Japan than California does. But they have spent a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of energy into how to build a building. More specifically, how to build a foundation. There's some really, really crazy stuff that I don't have the ability to, uh, to kind of comprehend and, and to then in turn tell you guys. But in essence, it's like a floating foundation, but at the same time, it's solid. I don't know. Kyle uh, Carpenter might be able to help you understand that. Um, so maybe ask him, like, hey, how does that work? How does a foundation that isn't there but is there work? I don't know. I don't know how it works, but that's exactly what they do. And so when an earthquake comes or this big kind of, like, storm comes and it, it rocks the, the area, the building can physically move, but it does not uh, get harmed. It doesn't fall over. It doesn't break. Unless, they said the only time, and I was just like, well, obviously, the only time that anything would, would drastically change about that building is this a physical hole opened up underneath the foundation. And I'm like, well, duh. Like, I don't know what you could do to counter that. But that's, that's literally what they said, is that's the only thing that would keep them um, from falling over. That's the only thing that would, that would get them to fall over, is, is a physical hole opening up underneath it. They're going to great lengths and great expenses to protect their people and provide safe houses. So when we lived in Colorado, um, if you guys have kind of been to Colorado and you know kind of a little bit about the foundation of Colorado, um, it looks like there are a lot of it's like rocks, right, because it's a mountain. Um, but we, what we started to find out, we had some friends that actually worked in this industry here where they would fix foundations because they would build the foundation on the rock, but then over time, that rock or something would shift or things would change, and the rock would move, and underneath was, uh, was like sand-like kind of uh, structure. And so they would have these multi-million dollar homes that would have giant cracks running up the home. I, have a, I had a friend who uh, did this work for a living. What they would do is they would buy these homes that were, in essence, dilapidated, like nobody could live in them, the whole, whole wing of the house falling off for like $120,000 kind of a thing. Like, just get us out, get us out of it. They would come along and they would dig a hole that was just the size of the human that had to go into the hole. And they would dig down into this hole and they had to dig as far as they could to get underneath the physical foundation. It would then get jacked up and then would be filled with a foundation that wouldn't settle. They would then turn and sell the house for one, two, three million, and they only had invested, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars. And now all of you are like, "That's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go do that for a living." But it's it's really a good illustration for what we're going to talk about today. To have that, what you think is a firm foundation, 
And all it takes is a few storms or a few issues or a, a, a few earth-shaking moments, and the whole house cracks. So as we come to the end this, uh, of, of Luke chapter 6, the conclusion that Christ has here of this sermon that he's kind of giving is, is actually like a discipleship manual. So we're kind of coming into the end of this little thing that he's giving to his disciples. And we learn exactly what God wants us to do in our lives, just as these storms and earthquakes and natural disasters are common in our own personal lives, storms, heartache, life issues, things that we are, that are just completely out of our control also come up. Christ tells us how to do this in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49, which is what Casey just read. But so far in Jesus' sermon on how to be his disciples was, was put into three major areas of discipleship or life. And this is kind of where your uh, sermon notes, if you have those, this is where you come into play on filling in some of these little points. And it kind of gives us a, an understanding of the attitude that we should have. Understanding how when life circumstances come up, how do we deal with it? Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26, is a understanding of trust God. And then the next part, we have Luke chapter 6, again, now verses 27 to 38, where we need to understand our attitude towards others. Other people our attitudes towards other people should be of love. And then the final one, Jesus hits it home to us. Luke chapter 6, verses 39 to 45. He says, in regards to yourself, you need to be painfully honest. And man, that is a hard one. We like to lie to ourselves a whole lot, where we think we're doing at least better than the other person. Like, at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm not doing those things on the weekend. At least I'm not... You know, we, we use those terms all the time. And Jesus says that we need to be painfully honest with ourselves. We enjoy being painfully honest to others. Hey, you should stop doing that. You probably shouldn't act like that. Hey, how you said that to me the other day, that really hurt me. And we never wonder what I've done or how I've acted. And Jesus just simply says, painfully honest. Be painfully honest to yourself. That's what brings us to Luke chapter 6, verse 46. We need to practice what you preach. Man, that's a tough one, right? I've heard it your whole life. My mom used to always say this. It was along with uh, the phrase, don't make pie crust promises. They're easy to make and easy to break. I've made pie crust. They're not very easy, but for her they were. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. But this idea of practice what you preach, what you say with your mouth, are you doing it with your hands and your feet? Are you putting action to it? This is a really, really interesting story that Jesus gives here to his disciples. There's a lot of little nuances that I kind of want to take a moment and kind of think about. Both men in this story built a house. The houses looked the exact same. But there was a major difference that was not noticed by those who passed by. One house was built on a solid surface... I'm not coming out here to get a volunteer, but what a prop. So one was built with a solid surface. And then, uh, get this out of the way so it doesn't get knocked over. Now you're all like, what's going to happen? The other 
was a not solid surface. Okay? So I need two volunteers. Ron, you're going to be one? All right. Since you volunteered so quick, would you like solid surface or not solid surface? All right. All right, and Jackson, you're going to take second to the not solid surface. You get forced into the situation here. All right. So go ahead and sit down on your foundation. So how do you guys feel about your foundations? Pretty solid, Ron? Solid. Solid. How do you feel, Jackson? Fine. Fine? Fine right now? All right. I feel like we should probably put them through the ringer a little bit, right? Like, this isn't, this isn't how it's going to end, right? We got storms to come. We got things to worry about. All right? So, the first storm is going to be a scenario where you're forced to put your hands up in the air. Okay? All right. Still feel pretty solid, Ron? Oh, you're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. How do you feel, Jackson? Still pretty solid? Are you worried about the next storm? Yeah? All right. All right. So the next storm comes along, still with your hands up in the air. Thank you for wearing deodorant today. Appreciate that, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to need you to put your left foot in the air. Oh, there we go. There we go. Jackson, how are we feeling? Terrible. You're looking good, man. You're looking good. Solid, firm foundation we have here. Ron, how are you feeling? Awesome. All right. All right. The last and final storm, number four, comes along with your hands in the air, your left foot in the air, not touching the ground. Both feet in the air. Oh, oh. Ron, how did you feel about your firm foundation at the end there? Jackson, how did you feel? Was it fun? It was fun. Well, then there we go. If nothing else, choosing the not firm foundation will lead a life of excitement and, uh, and fun, right? But that's the kind of question that we need to ask ourselves is, oh, thank you, sir is what type of foundation are you putting your life on? You know, I really, really wanted, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show, The Office, um, but there's an episode where one of the guys, one of the workers, uh, decides that he doesn't want to sit in a chair anymore. And he only wants to sit on an exercise ball because he wants to, he wants to be working out everywhere he goes. He wants to keep his core nice and tight and the other guy that's sitting in the same little cubicle area is frustrated with him. He doesn't like that he's doing this. Like, it's annoying. He's bouncing up and down like Jackson was the whole time. And I really wanted to do what, what Jim does and take the scissors and poke the, poke the ball. Because I could have poked the chair all day. I mean, obviously, it would have not been very nice to our chair. Maybe would have made it not worth using anymore. But it still would have stood it still would have been a chair. That ball, the second I poked it, Jackson would have been on the ground. There would have been nothing, no, many, no amount of hands or feet he could have kept on the ground. That ball would have been on the ground. And that's the kind of foundation that we want. So what things do you build your life upon? You know, this is just a simple list. And this is not a list that I was like, oh, I bet this person struggles with that. So at the end, if you're like, man, why was Jacob honing in on me so, so much. I wasn't. These are literally just a compiled list, okay? Wealth, success, fame, acceptance, pleasure, logic, principles, fairness, justice, pleasing others, family, relationships, treasures, accomplishments, and specific goals are all possible answers. Maybe it's 
your goals in life. Maybe it's your reason for living. Your, your question of, why did I wake up this morning? Maybe that is the foundation of your life. It's some hard questions that, that get asked when you start asking those deep, hurt questions of, what is my foundation? What is my basis? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses uh, 10 to 11, Paul talks about building on the foundation of Christ. Christ is the only foundation. In biblical times, there would have been two ways that a house would have been built, and we're going to talk about both of them. And the first one is the foundation. And in this story, we hear of the guy that built his foundation on, uh, on a rock scenario, and then we have the foundation where he was built um, on no foundation, or some scriptures say sand, um, but it's kind of interchangeable on both. And then the other part that we see in scripture of how, found, how buildings are built is on this phrase called a cornerstone. Those are the two things of how a house is built. So we see here in a picture is physical cornerstone. We'll talk more about the cornerstone here in a little bit, but we're going to talk more about this foundation. Paul says that there's two key things that we need our foundation to be built upon. They need to be built upon Christ, and they need to be built upon the apostles' teaching. Corinthians 3, 10, and 11 talk about the foundation of Christ, and then Ephesians 2, 20 Paul tells us that we are to be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and even Christ himself. We have a heritage, a foundation portrayed for us in this biblical example by the godly people that came before us. Stories of their testimonies and people in this great book give us firsthand examples of how to encounter life as Christians. So that brings us to point number two. Obedience provides protection. Luke chapter 6, verses 47 to 48, talk about this. And we have to ask ourselves as we kind of lead into this obedience provides protection is, what does your life reveal about your personal foundation? Is Christ your foundation? When those troubles, when those storms, when those issues come, who do you lean on? What do you lean on? Do you spend time in the Word studying the character examples of the people of God? Do you study the cornerstone? So this is what a cornerstone is. The cornerstone was the basis of a building in the day of Christ, in the days of Christ. This cornerstone kept the building's walls completely lined up, and it was perfectly correct. It kept things straight, and it was the cornerstone. And if the cornerstone was no good... It didn't matter how good the foundation even was. The cornerstone was no good. The building would crumble. You know, they didn't have the cement and they didn't have the things to keep the building up. They had to be perfectly aligned for gravity to do its job. And it's the same with our lives today. We choose what we want to base our lives on and we build them around it. When we choose Christ, we have chosen what God's word says is the most precious of all cornerstones. Cornerstones in, in Jesus' time would have been giant boulders made out of marble, and, and they would have even been uh, something that could have been used as a millstone. They, they were big, strong boulders. And Paul says here that Christ is even more powerful and strong than those things. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's better. He keeps your life in line 
more than anything else. So you have to ask yourself, who or what is your cornerstone? What do you think Peter means that we need to align ourselves with him? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter writes that when we believe, trust in, and adhere to, we rely on Jesus, we will never be disappointed or put to shame, disgraced, made to blush, or be dishonored. Our lives will not crumble as long as we build them according to his cornerstone. Peter really believed that life with Jesus Christ was never disappointing. Have you ever been really put to shame because of your faith? Or disgraced because of your belief in Christ? In Acts chapter 4, verse 11, Luke tells us that this cornerstone is the basis of our faith and that it is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we have eternal life. Who or what is your cornerstone? Have you rejected Christ in the same areas in your life? Have you decided to align yourself and base your building upon something that is not biblical? And if I am rejecting Christ, is my life, my entire building, is it even founded on Christ? If you're rejecting Christ as the cornerstone, the thing that aligns your whole life, can Christ be your foundation? Is my building, my life, crumbling from poor construction? It doesn't matter how much money, how much energy is put into the house. The foundation and the cornerstone are not firmly connected to Christ. Then all the effort and all the money and all the energy that goes into your house, your home, your life, won't matter. Many people in the world today, in the church today, are like these two houses. They may profess to be Christians and look like Christians in all their actions and all the things that they do. But they're not Christians. Their life is not really built upon Christ. Actions and works do not determine if a person is a Christ follower. Ephesians 2, 8 and t- uh, to 10 says that we are not saved by good works, but we are reborn or recreated in Christ Jesus for the purpose of doing good works. Here we see good works are a, a part of our faith, but they are not the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith will always be Christ Jesus. And then out of that foundation, the things we do will flow. How we act, how we live, how we prosper in this world will flow from Christ. And we see it in other things. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 17, verse 3. John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus tells us he is the only way that we can go to heaven. In John 5, 11 through 12, 11 and 12, we are told that he who has Christ has eternal life. He who does not, does not have life. There is only one way to be a Christian, and that is through Christ as the foundation of your life. A non-Christian can go through the actions that resemble a Christ follower, and yet still not be a Christ follower. The house is there for all to see, but there is 
no foundation. There are also all those who are Christians, and this is the challenging one that, man, really can hit home. That have Christ as a foundation, but choose not to build on that foundation. Having Christ as the foundation is the first step. You don't build a house by saying, I'm going to build this foundation. You see your room there? That's where you get to sleep. That over there, that spot on the foundation, that's, that's where we eat. Over here would be where you store your food. And all the time, there not being a single wall, a single bit of power, a single bit of uh, windows, electricity, lighting. You don't do that. The foundation is the first step. Could you imagine hiring a contractor, them coming out, seeing the area, saying, this is where we are going to put your foundation. And you go, great, let's do it. They put the foundation there. And then 10 feet over, they build the house. (laughs) What are you doing? You don't build the house there. You built the foundation here. You don't put the house on no foundation. Just because you have Christ as your foundation, if you have no house to show for it, then are you following what we're called to do in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. We're not saved by good works, but for the purpose of doing good works, Christ has saved us. And here's the thing, they could even, they could build with all the best materials, they could build with the best, they could put the best foundation, they could do all those things, they could sweep away all the rubble, they can get it all ready, all prepped, have the perfect foundation, but if there's nothing on it, there's no point. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 30 and 33, Christ speaks of the cost of being a disciple. He uses the parable of a man who wished to build a great tower, but the cost is too great for him to finish it. He is ridiculed because of his folly. To follow Christ is to give up everything for him, to surrender all to him. And we too, like the man in the parable, will be ridiculed and be seen as fools and when we claim Christ as our Lord, yet we build our life upon other things. We need to clear away the rubble and build on the foundation. That brings us to our third point. Disobedience invites destruction. Luke chapter 6, verse 49 hones in on this concept of What happens when we don't follow the commands that Christ gives to us? We must clear away the rubble. As you read the focal passage, this uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, you see that one man actually dug down deep to the rock. He cleared away the rubble, removing that which would make his house unstable and building on the rock. What in your life is the rubble that needs to be cleared away. What needs to be pushed off to the side? What needs to get out of your life? What cobwebs do you have that are just taking up space on your foundation? What things need to change in your life? There's some really, really uh, 
interesting thoughts just to kind of give you a little bit more details to this story. There's one thing that doesn't matter in the story. It's specifically left out. And there's a lot of people that actually see this as, as an important point. And it's time. At no point in this story does the amount of time it took the builders matter. All that mattered was the foundation. The time it took to build the house is not mentioned. It doesn't matter. One may have been going to church and doing good things all of their life, but unless Christ is that foundation, the house will still fall. It's never too late to begin building your life with Christ as your foundation. And the other big thing, this third idea, big idea, is the storms are the same. And man, when you start to realize that in your life, that the storms are the same, whether you follow Jesus or you don't follow Jesus, it provides a lot of understanding into what's going on in this world. People that love Christ have bad things happen to them. People that don't follow Christ also have bad things happen to them. A life without storms is not promised to us. The storm that hit the house with the solid foundation was no different than the one that hit the house without a foundation at all. The end result was different, but the storms were not. What is promised for us as Christians is a foundation to weather the storm. Here's a big question that I want to, to kind of end on. So why does God allow storms in our lives? And maybe this has been a question that you've been asking in your life and your faith walk with Christ is, hey, why, why, why are these bad things happening? And I think these are three good points. I don't think this is all of them. I don't think you can, I think there's lots of reasons why there's storms in our lives. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes you brought the storm on yourself. But there are other times where it's just bad things happen. And that's the question that we're asking, sorry, that we're asking here. And I think the first reason that storms happen in our life is to teach us. Because there's no better teacher in the world than experience. I remember when I first started uh, preaching on a regular basis, we were preaching in McCune and uh, the lady that was playing the piano came up to me and asked, hey, would you, would you like to preach at a, another church before we come here? I find out that, that she actually played piano at this different church before going to McCune. And they had just had a minister literally leave in the middle of the sermon. He was so frustrated with them. You know, it was a church of like six people and he was mad that they weren't changing, like that they weren't doing anything different in their life. So he just left. So they had nobody to preach. And she was like, would you preach? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. That sounds like great experience. And then her husband said something to me that has stuck with me the rest of my life. And he goes, just so you know, experience is when you don't read the fine print. Oh, <laughs> that's good advice. Sometimes the best thing to teach us is experience, to be put through these storms, for us to understand what we've been learning and what we have been understanding and what we have been grasping Sometimes experience is the best way to teach us. The second idea is to test us. 
maybe that doesn't feel very good to hear. The reason there's a storm is to, to see how faithful you are. How much do you rely on your foundation? How much faith do you put in your cornerstone? Is it there as long as it's all going great? Or when things get tough and times get hard and, and life changes, do you still rely on that cornerstone? The test reveals your character. And the third and final one is to toughen us up so we are stronger. And there's nothing that storms will do more to your faith if you hold strong to your foundation and to your cornerstone to strengthen you and to bring you out onto that other side more on fire for Christ, more excited to tell others. I know it's a backwards way to think of it, but sometimes storms can be the best thing that can happen in your life. And going through life where things just going great and things just perfect, bank account never having to worry about it, all your family's great, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But man, when those storms come and life changes and, and the things that you saw as normal are completely ripped out from underneath you and you stand firm on Christ still, that's when you're strengthened. I think of the story of Job all the time about this kind of stuff. Am I the kind of person who would stand on the other side like Job did and still profess God as faithful? I mean, yes, Job at the end does start questioning God, but he still has faith in God. He doesn't waver from that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, I wanted to read it for us. It gives us a, a really great understanding of, uh, I had it marked and then my Bible got messed up. So it gives us a really great understanding of what life can look like when maybe you don't put the firmest of foundation on Christ, but he still is your foundation. So chapter, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 13. By the grace of God, he has given me I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with the fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only one escaping through the flames. This talks about the foundation of our lives being revealed in our lives. God's word says that there will be trials in life. And they will reveal just what our foundation truly is. It continues on to say that those, those same experiences will reveal our character and our worth of the, uh, of, of the work which each person has done. Often, it is in response to storms that real differences start to change in people. Through storms, our foundations are shaken. Through storms, our 
we discover what areas in our life have leaks and cracks and need repairs. Through storms, we may even discover that we may never have had a foundation in the first place. What storms in your life have shaken your foundation? Are you finding yourself to be sitting on a chair or are you finding yourself to sitting on a bouncy ball? What is the foundation that you're sitting on? Because ultimately, the house without the foundation will fall. The house will completely collapse. That does not have Christ as its foundation. There is no option for a house half standing. Whatever is built on the foundation will survive. What is not built on the foundation will be swept away. All things will one day be judged. And it is possible to be a Christian and do the right things, but for the wrong reasons. First Corinthians, again, just remembering what we just read, chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, says that our works will be judged and as rewarded accordingly. And it is possible to go to heaven, having only the foundation, with everything that we have done being burnt up. I had a friend in college say it like this, you might still get to heaven, but everything will be burnt, and all that you'll be left in is your underwear, and that too might be scorched. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up in heaven like that. I mean, yeah, I'm there, but what's the reward? I mean, heaven is great on its own, but what we do here on this earth matters too. We are not saved by the house, but our house is an amazing way to identify who our foundation is. And maybe in your life, you haven't chose the correct foundation. Maybe in your life, you have been choosing the foundations of all the things of this world. And maybe in your current life, you've even felt some of those disappointments where you have put the foundation on the wrong things and and the storms have come and those things waver, but you just choose a different thing to put your foundation on. And today, I want to call you, if you haven't put your foundation on Christ, then make that choice today. Like I said, the house was never revealed how much time it took. It could be years, it could be decades, it could be your first time ever hearing the gospel. But you're called to choose the correct foundation. So I'm going to have Kevin come on up here for the the invitation time. And if this is a time where you would like to make that choice to follow Christ as your firm foundation, then then we challenge you to accept that. The band's going to come back up here, and we're going to sing a a song as invitation. If you're feeling something in your heart just saying, like, this is the time where I need to make that commitment. Maybe the foundation has been there, but maybe you haven't been building upon it. Then change that today. There's no more of a perfect time to do it than, than now. And I don't mean because it's church, but I mean because it's current, it's present. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you.